Chapter 7 of Original Stories from Real Life. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Stacy Dugan Wilcox. Original Stories from Real Life by Mary Wollstonecraft. Chapter 7 Virtue, the Soul of Beauty the tulip and the rose, the nightingale, external ornaments, characters. The next morning Mrs. Mason met them first in the garden, and she desired Caroline to look at a bed of tulips that were then in their highest state of perfection. I, added she, choose to have every kind of flower in my garden, as the succession enables me to vary my daily prospect, and gives it the charm of variety, Yet these tulips afford me less pleasure than most of the other sort which I cultivate, and I will tell you why. They are only beautiful. Listen to my distinction. Good features and a fine complexion I term bodily beauty. Like the streaks in the tulip, they please the eye for a moment. But this uniformity soon tires, and the active mind flies off to something else. The soul of beauty, my dear children, consists in the body gracefully exhibiting the emotions and variations of the informing mind. If truth, humanity, and knowledge inhabit the breast, the eyes will beam with a mild luster, modesty will suffuse the cheeks, and smiles of innocent joy play over all the features. At first sight, regularity and color will attract, and have the advantage, because the hidden springs are not directly set in motion, but when internal goodness is reflected, every other kind of beauty, the shadow of it, withers away before it, as the sun obscures a lamp. You are certainly handsome, Caroline, I mean, have good features, but you must improve your mind to give them a pleasing expression, or they will only serve to lead your understanding astray. I have seen some foolish people take great pains to decorate the outside of their houses to attract the notice of strangers who gazed and passed on, whilst the inside, where they received their friends, was dark and inconvenient. Apply this observation to mere personal attractions. They may, it is true, for a few years, charm the superficial part of your acquaintance, whose notions of beauty are not built on any principle of utility, such persons might look at you as they would gaze their eyes over these tulips and feel for a moment the same pleasure that a view of the variegated rays of light would convey to an uninformed mind the lower class of mankind and children are fond of finery gaudy dazzling appearances catch their attention but the discriminating judgment of a person of sense requires besides color order proportion grace and usefulness to render the idea of beauty complete observe that rose it has all the perfections i speak of color grace and sweetness and even when the fine tints fade the smell is grateful to those who have before contemplated its beauties i have only one bed of tulips though my garden is large but in every part of it roses attract the eye you have seen Mrs. Truman, and think her a very fine woman, yet her skin and complexion have only the clearness that temperance gives, and her features, strictly speaking, are not regular. 
Betty the housemaid has, in both these respects, much the superiority over her. But, though it is not easy to define in what her beauty consists, the eye follows her whenever she moves, and every person of taste listens for the modulated sounds which proceed out of her mouth to be improved and pleased. It is conscious worth, truth, that gives dignity to her walk, and simple elegance to her conversation. She has indeed a most excellent understanding and a feeling heart. Sagacity and tenderness, the result of both, are happily blended in her countenance, and taste is the polish which makes them appear to the best advantage. She is more than beautiful, and you see her varied excellencies again and again with increasing pleasure. They are not obtruded on you, for knowledge has taught her true humility. She is not like the flaunting tulip that forces itself forward into notice, but resembles the modest rose you see yonder, retiring under its elegant foliage. I have mentioned flowers. The same order is observed in the higher departments of nature. Think of the birds. Those that sing best have not the finest plumage, indeed, just the contrary. God divides his gifts, and amongst the feathered race, the nightingale, sweetest of warblers, who pours forth her varied strain when sober eye comes on, you would seek in vain in the morning if you expected that beautiful feathers should point out the songstress. Many who incessantly twitter and are only tolerable in the general concert would surpass her and attract your attention. I knew, some time before you were born, a very fine, a very handsome girl. I saw she had abilities, and I saw with pain that she attended to the most obvious but least valuable gift of heaven. Her ingenuity slept, whilst she tried to render her person more alluring. At last she caught the smallpox. Her beauty vanished, and she was for a time miserable. But the natural vivacity of youth overcame her unpleasant feelings. In consequence of the disorder, her eyes became so weak that she was obliged to sit in a dark room. To beguile the tedious day, she applied to music, and made a surprising proficiency. She even began to think in her retirement, and when she recovered her sight, grew fond of reading. Large companies did not now amuse her. She was no longer the object of admiration, or if she was taken notice of, it was to be pitied, to hear her former self praised, and to hear them lament the depredation that dreadful disease had made in a fine face. Not expecting or wishing to be observed, she lost her affected airs and attended to the conversation, in which she was soon able to bear a part. In short, the desire of pleasing took a different turn, and as she improved her mind, she discovered that virtue, internal beauty, was valuable on its own account, and not like that of the person which resembles a toy that pleases the observer but does not render the possessor happy. She found that, in acquiring knowledge, her mind grew tranquil, and the noble desire of acting conformably to the will of God succeeded, and drove out the immoderate vanity which before actuated her, when her equals were the objects she thought most of, and whose approbation she sought with such eagerness. And what had she sought? To be stared at and called handsome. Her beauty, the mere sight of it, did not make others good, or comfort the afflicted. But after she had lost it, she was comfortable herself, and set her friends the most useful example. 
the money that she had formerly appropriated to ornament her person now clothed the naked yet she really appeared better dressed as she had acquired the habit of employing her time to the best advantage and could make many things herself besides she did not implicitly follow the reigning fashion for she had learned to distinguish and in the most trivial matters acted according to the dictates of good sense the children made some comments on this story but the entrance of a visitor interrupted the conversation and they ran about the garden comparing the roses and tulips End of chapter seven